Does one learn more from books or from podcasts? <laughs> Any day books, man. Any day. I'm looking forward to giving a TED talk just on reading. So you can imagine the amount of benefits I see from reading books. So books have a phenomenal wealth of wisdom lying to be tapped. Podcasts are curated, opinionated, time-bound. All those problems don't lie with books, right? Welcome to GoVanchake Season 2. I'm Pritesh Kumar, your host and co-founder of Function. I've run multiple companies, raised and burnt capital, and I've shut startups down to. Fail, learn, and succeed. And almost everything that the startup and business world can offer. Hence, Go Venture Podcast is a friendly reminder for all the hacks and strategies that grow and to achieve your dreams. Lastly, join our group in the description to share stuff and startup networking with like-minded folks. So today, we are talking to Hetal Sonpal, a corporate guy who turned into an active angel investor. And also, Hetal fitness freak hai, and he had Ironman triathlon completed last year. But when you startups and investing, baat aati hai na, I think startups have burned a lot of money in the last few years, promising growth, something or the other, right? And a lot of highly promising startups have collapsed lately, be it Baiju's or Go Mechanic. So investors invest in these companies. How difficult hai to raise capital from investors? Now explore all of this with Hetal Sonpal. And yes, before we begin, I want to thank all of our listeners for all the love, messages and the comments on the podcast and Instagram. So let's go. Hey, Hetal. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you very much, Pratesh. Uh, pleasure being here, here and look forward to some exciting conversations. So, Hetal, I uh, a set of uh, rapid-fire questions prepared yeah, that we'll start with. Yeah. Uh, quick one-two-line answers. A lot of questions will probably you would want to choose. We would want you to choose among two maybe equally good options, right? Let's start. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. So, first question. Uh, why do you think uh, startups lose crores of money uh, building a company? I think the, the whole concept of startup losing crores of money is wrong. Uh, the idea of creating a startup is to create value, not to lose value. Uh, I think they lose money because investors give them a lot of money, right? So I think the fault lies with investors rather than the startups. <laughs> Got it. Uh, what should one choose? Uh, what would give more return on effort and money? Uh, basically, what? better ROI, right? What would give better ROI? Whether one should choose angel investing in startups versus, say, investing in share market or real estate? That's a tricky question. Uh, I think five years back, it was the former, but today I think it's the latter. Very unfortunate, but that's true. The returns in public market today are far better than what you would get in startups right now. And of course, it doesn't help matter that the startup is going through a funding winter. So it's difficult to get funding and I think that's looking tough for startups at this point of time. And what do you think in the long run? I think in the long run, it has to be a balance, right? I, I don't think it should be either or. I think startups provide their own benefit as far as an investing option is concerned. So do public market equity. And and depends on what stage in your life you are, what's your uh, risk capability. And according to that, you probably want to do a balance and not just do an either or. 
Correct. Nobody should invest all their money in the angel investment. Similarly, nobody should invest all their money in the public equity. Got it. And uh, who do you think uh, early stage uh, founders should be looking to raise from, from a VC or an angel investor? Early stage, of course, it's always angels to start with. Uh, from a hierarchy perspective, you start with your own money, then you go to a friends and family round, then come in angels and finally come the institutional investors. I think jumping to trying to get an institutional investor too early is not a good thing, both for the startup as well as for the VC. Got it. Got it. And uh, gym versus uh, running. Uh, Since you are a Ironman gym. triathlon, <laughs> why, why, why do you think so? Uh, running any day. Uh, gym as uh, But yeah, I mean, you know, people will always debate about the benefits of gym. Uh, but yeah, running is more close to me than gym. Got it, got it. And Hithil, uh, since you are an avid reader and you have also written books, uh, does one learn more from books or from podcasts? <laughs> Any day books, man. Any day. That's all. I, 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 I'm looking forward to giving a TED Talk just on uh, on reading. So you can imagine the amount of benefits I see from reading books. What, what, what can you go deeper into it maybe? Uh, so, so books have uh, phenomenal, phenomenal wealth of wisdom lying to be tapped. Uh, podcasts are curated, opinionated, uh, doctored, uh, time-bound. Uh, all those problems don't lie with books, right? I mean, books are uh, wisdom available in naked form. Uh, you can read as you please. Uh, podcasts can, you know, change your tempo of your mind and. Uh, get you opinionated towards a particular topic in a very rapid, short period of time. Uh, whereas if you want to build an opinion on a particular topic, uh, reading books will take significantly longer time. Uh, you will be able to evolve your own understanding on the topic rather than uh, going with a curated view. I think that's the long and short answer there. Cool, 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 cool. I think uh, I will move to, uh, you know, to the broader discussion that we had planned. And thank you for that, uh, yeah. those rapid answers. Uh, and first I want to yeah. start with Aital is that um, uh, you have two decades of experience in tech industry and then you transitioned into the world of startups as an investor and also a mentor. What inspired you? I think the speed and agility of startups and founders is something which is still missing in most of the large corporates, number one. Second is from my own personal perspective, I had built, I had accumulated a lot of experience working in large companies we have, which have established systems and processes, uh, which of course is missing in startups. So I felt there's a lot of uh, give and take involved where I can learn from working with young entrepreneurs and learning from their agility and their uh, thought process. Uh, there's something I can give back to them, which is uh, the maturity and experience of having worked for large companies. So. I thought that was an ideal decision to make where I can contribute more and I can learn more uh, by engaging with startups versus working in large organizations. <clears throat> got it, got it, got it. And coming to your angel investment journey, uh, Hitala, uh, how do angel investors make money? How do they get returns? What is, no, how do angel investors make returns in general on startups? Angel investors make money the hard way. Uh, they come in early. Uh, it's called a risky asset class. The fact that uh, it takes time for them to get returns. Uh, it's not an easy 
quick fix uh, entry. Um, so it, 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 it requires uh, a thorough understanding of uh, the startup and the entrepreneur. It's important to understand the kind of business that you're getting into, uh, have a flair of the uh, ecosystem in which the startup operates and, you know, the uh, vagaries or the limitation of the ecosystem can uh, mess up the future for the startup. Even if the founder is doing really hard work, even if the company is doing really good job, if the markets are not responding, uh, you know, they can't do anything about it, right? Uh, so I think uh, angel investors need to realize that uh, there's risk involved. They need to be involved as an investor. Uh, they need to dig for information. All the information will not come to them in form of a balance sheet or in terms of quarterly results. Uh, um, they would need to really ask for finer details. A lot of mentorship is involved by default. Uh, invariably, the startup founders are younger uh, in age. Uh, they might need more guidance. Uh, they might not uh, be intuitive to everything as well. So, you know, take everything with a uh, handful of salt, salt, I would say, not with a pinch of salt. I think I want to... Uh... I think we have discussed this question but I want to dig deeper again and I want to understand that, uh, sure. say again uh, startups tend to lose a lot of money right uh, building building obviously building something uh, but why would uh, investors uh, and how did this get started also maybe uh, why would investors invest in something that is planning to lose money how did this whole concept come into picture So I think, uh, I think the element of uh, spending a lot of money is more apparent and more obvious in B2C startups than in B2B. Uh, mm -hmm. The reason being when it comes to B2C, uh, grabbing eyeballs, grabbing attention, getting lots of downloads for your apps, uh, making yourself, making your brand present in minds and uh, hearts of a lot of people for a sustained amount of long time. Uh, requires money, requires marketing dollars, requires you to spend a lot. Um, and uh, I think the the nature of the consumer, at least the Indian consumer, I can say for sure, uh, they are ruthless. They are merciless when it comes to brand alignment. They don't want to align with a brand very fast. And even if they have aligned with a brand for a sustained amount of time, if a new player comes in and offers something at a half the cost and, or a significant discount to what the uh, initial product was offering, uh, there is a chance that uh, the consumer might switch preferences, right? So it makes it very difficult for the founder to be able to understand the DNA of the consumer in a short period of time. And that's why there is a sustained need for funding. There is a sustained need for marketing, which obviously requires a lot of constant funding right so that's a whole idea the reason investors still invest in these startups despite knowing the fact that their money can actually go down this because at the speed at which they are spending money they're not earning at that same speed speed is assuming that you know you have a hockey stick curve at some point of time you know the, the losses would stop and the profits would rise and when the profits would rise or when the sales uh, goes on an uptick uh, in a significant speed uh, they are assuming that they would make multiple uh, returns from their investment. So that's a core idea that, uh, you know, you would have a long period where they're spending, 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 and suddenly it shoots up, right? Suddenly the sales starts picking up. And then once it picks up, they are able to leapfrog ahead of the competition and, and they are able to garner a significant large, large market share. 
and their month-on-month growth and year-on-year growth is in multiples, not just in percentage terms, and ensure that they get that dominance in that space, which allows them to dominate for a significant long period of time. So that's the idea. Uh, there are very few startups which actually uh, are great candidates for such kind of spend, but unfortunately, maybe it's the immaturity of the investor ecosystem that a far ma- that far many more startups uh, gain such funding, and far many more investors get lured into uh, making investments. And I think that's where the problem lies. I don't know if that's your question, but I. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think of late, what has happened is a lot of, uh, and why we are discussing this question also, because a lot of startups that had raised a lot of capital to be able to burn that capital have been losing capital. Yeah, and uh, have been rapidly losing market share as well. Uh, once they stopped uh, spending, right? Uh, which probably uh, circles back to the point that you mentioned, which is that Indian consumers are ruthless, right? Uh, loyalties uh, switch as soon as there's a better player or there's a slightly more uh, discount somewhere else, right? Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, but I want to I want to come back to angel investing a bit, and I want to understand uh, from a startup point of view, right? Uh, how easy or difficult do you think it is for startups to uh, raise capital from investors, or let's say, let's focus on angel investors, let's say. Um. So. It, it's it's uh, it's seasonal, right? Uh, at some point of time, it was far more easier. But as we speak today, right now, uh, the funding winter, which started earlier this year, has has been going on for a while now, right? So it's far more difficult today to raise uh, funds from angel investors than it was maybe two years back. But at the same time, the number of angel investors has expanded rapidly. There are many more now angel groups, which are angel networks, which are uh, existing and prevalent in the country. And the more groups you have, the more networks you have, invariably the number of angel investors does go up. Right? So while uh, angels have started to hold on to their money, uh, reduce the amount of checks they are writing, at the same time, the number of angel investors has gone up as well. Uh, while it might be investors who might not have that much amount of experience, but they might still have deep pockets, right? Um, so I think it, it while it's difficult, it's not impossible. That's how I would say, uh, as far as the opportunity for startups to raise angel investment as of today is concerned. Mm. And uh, I think uh, the first time that I was raising funds, the first time I was building a company, uh, I was uh, awestruck by probably the uh, probably how to find uh, angel investors in general, right? After a certain point of point of time, after you have uh, you are more experienced in the startup ecosystem, you tend to know a lot of people, you tend to have a lot of uh, references, right? But someone who is starting up for the first time, how do you think? What what do you think are the avenues for them to be able to find an angel investor? Um, that's a good question, and uh, I think to try and find angel investors. Um, if you're new in the ecosystem, you're probably better off trying to approach angel groups rather than angels, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because angel groups or angel networks like Mumbai Angels, Indian Angel Network, Venture Catalyst, uh, Let's Venture, they already have a large congregation of angel investors as part of their membership. So, ra- so rather than trying to find five different angels, if you just find one angel group and convince them that you're actually a, investable, your investment worthy, 
they can open the doors for you to be able to pitch 200, 150, 200-odd investors at one shot, which is significantly less amount of effort and energy being spent at your end. Uh, and uh, you can move much faster as well. It's not just about re uh, reduce effort, right? So my recommendation is two things. One is, of course, you can, you can go out of super angels, right? Uh, super mm -hmm. angels like um, like uh, Siddhartha Ahluwalia or uh, mm -hmm. Apuru Chamaria. Uh, mm -hmm. They have uh, they have it uh, or uh, they have invested in hundreds of startups. Uh, Kunal Shah for that for that matter. They've invested in hundreds of startups. They they have a, built a pretty rapid portfolio of uh, startups under them. Maybe if you make a random cold call message to them on LinkedIn, they might probably respond back to your request and and be willing to that's option one which is a relatively more difficult option but to reaching out to angel networks or angel groups i think is a much uh, better and a more, much more uh, saner option to go for and i think i would recommend uh, that approach for uh, young entrepreneurs who don't have a network uh, get themselves familiar with these networks and you know if you get one or two networks you get to know the angel investors in that network personally as well it's not that just you continue to interact with the network alone uh, you can have one-on-ones with some of the members as well, and that will help you to expand your network as well. And what angel groups are you part of, Ahitel? So I started my angel investment journey with Mumbai Angels. This was, I think, 2014, 2015. I was a member mm -hmm. for three years. Uh, mm -hmm. I discontinued my membership, but you know, I'm, I'm uh, still in touch with uh, most of my fellow angel investors from Mumbai Angels at that point of time and we, we built some great friends out there as well. Um, I am also actively engaged with Let's Venture and Venture Catalyst. Uh, these are again uh, fairly large angel groups and I'm, I kind of have a more of a offline membership wherein I'm not like actively investing but uh, if I come across some good startups which are posted on their platform I might consider from time to time. Yeah, So th th those are the ones which I have uh, actively discussed with. And uh, I remember uh, reading this somewhere that Mumbai Angels recently got acquired by 361. Uh, what does that kind of an acquisition mean? What what does acquiring an angel group mean actually? It's a very interesting and a very one-off case. Uh, angel groups typically are not uh, a suitable uh, uh, acquisition candidate for any company. Uh, IFL Wealth, which is the company which is acquired, has got interested in was got inter got interested in Mumbai Angels probably because of the large network of angels they have, and they could be uh, HNIs. Uh, a lot of them would be HNIs who could be sold other IFL products. So that's the idea of cross leveraging. While they might acquire the angel group because of the pedigree they've created as far as angel investment as a segment is concerned. But the same investors might be interested in mutual funds, in AIFs, in, in stocks, and so on and so forth, right? So that's the idea of uh, such an acquisition. But yeah, such acquisitions are fairly rare because people believe that you would not want to acquire a company just because of the people asset they have, right? They would look for an IP, which an angel group typically would not have an IP, uh, resident IP for that matter. Yeah, so I, I think it's just a one-off case, yeah. Mm. And uh, let's talk a little bit more about your angel angel investment journey and what is the and typical question that probably uh, uh, we get asked a lot is that what is the highest return that you have gotten on angel investment? 
Um, highest returns still a wait to be seen because they're all on the paper. But uh, yeah, there are a few companies, uh, Leverage EDU, Impact Guru, uh, who are who I'm still an investor and, and they're doing fairly well. And uh, I hope to get a good return, I would say. Uh, but more than the return uh, in financial terms, uh, what I have benefited the most from my angel investment journey is learning from my entrepreneurs, learning from these startups, the kind of business models they have got into, the kind of uh, uh, ecosystem they have got into. Uh, and of course, these founders are uh, absolutely awesome guys, right? Uh, people like Akshay from Leverage GTU or Piyush from the Impact Guru or Saurabh from Advantage Club. I've learned a lot uh, seeing them in action. Um, you know, they are more willing to take risk. They are willing to uh, play more aggressive bets in the market. Uh, they are very much faster in, in making hires and expanding their business, uh, changing or pivoting the business model when, when it when it comes to that. So there's a lot of learning, right? So so intellectual benefit, which I've gained from angel investment, far, far, far exceeds the financial benefit uh, in that sense, yeah. And Hetal, uh, so I believe that you have been investing for a pretty long time and you have not just been investing, but you have also been invested in the, those startups personally also, right? Uh, a lot many times as mentor as well. Uh, so how would you, what would you say is your process of finding the best startups to invest in as an angel? So I have a, I have a simple uh, four point uh, checklist, which I apply whenever uh, a founder is pitching to me. Uh, first one is the founder's profile, right? I mean, what's the background? What's his alma mater like? Uh, where he has worked before? Has he been an entrepreneur before this? There are some uh, certain traits which I look for in the founder's profile, which gives me the confidence that the founder will be able to weather the tough times, right? You know, if you've got a great idea and, and the market is responding, uh, bulk of the founders will be able to succeed in such situations. Whether the founder will be able to succeed when things are not going correct, when there's a downturn in the market, is the is the is the, uh, is the founder someone who would chicken out? Is the founder who would uh, be even more aggressive when the markets are tough? Uh, that kind of personality traits is what I look for as far as the founder profile is concerned. The second one is the uniqueness of the business idea. I typically prefer something which is different in nature. I try and shy away from cut copy paste models which can easily get replicated by someone else. Um, you know, you, it makes me think, it makes me feel that, yeah, you know, I never thought of this, so this might really have an opportunity. The third one is um, scope for monetization, right? You asked uh, earlier in the in the podcast about uh, founders burning money and spending a lot of money. Uh, I would probably want to see the monetization journey uh, fairly clearly before I actually invest. It's very important to understand how and when they are actually going to get returns to start off to pay up for their expenses and later to make profits, right? So profitability, as you know, is a very uh, important buzzword which has come late into the startup ecosystem. Mm -hmm. But now that it has, I think everyone is prioritizing profitability over growth, right? It's more important to be clear how you will make a profitable business rather than growing yourself into a unicorn, right? No point in being a unicorn if you've got uh, crores of rupees and losses uh, month on month, right? Uh, you'd be better off having a, a small base, a small valuation, and yet you're profitable and independent, right? Our profitability also leads to uh, achieving break-even. And once you achieve break-even, 
that urge or need to run after funds every six months or every 12 months reduces drastically. And that gives you confidence to be able to think from a calm, clear mind and say what I want to do. I will only do what I want to do. I don't need to be at the mercy or uh, at the threat of an investor, do this, do that. I can I can run an independent shop even if I've taken investor money. So that's a, that's a goal which founders should uh, orient themselves towards. The last one is scope for exit, right? Uh, we as investors are investing with uh, certain obvious expectations on financial return. And we would only get financial returns if someone gives us an exit, right? Someone buys a stock back from me. Um, so it's very important for the founder to be able to lay out that clear path. What's the potential exit for an investor in this investment? How long will I need to stay invested? What is the stage at which they will decide to encourage secondary shares in the, to be sold? That is shares which we bought from the company to be bought by the new investor rather than he investing uh, in primary shares, which which uh, will allow him fresh equity. Yeah. Got it. So the four key factors that probably uh, you look for would go somewhere around, I would revolve around uh, finding the right founders, uh, finding a good USP, uh, uh, finding profitability or a road to profitability. And the fourth would be finding an, a good exit options, yeah. right? Yeah. I think a, a fair checklist, I think a fair checklist, uh, especially in 2023, I believe, uh, given the fact that uh, everybody had been running over the last 5-10 years, everybody had been running to startups that would say that uh, we would go to uh, Bharat to, we would go to India to or Bharat and we'll build a large base and we don't know where we'll make money from all of that, right? And everybody was running towards uh, India to, that has changed drastically uh, of late. Uh, but I want to come back to angel investing Hithal, and I want to understand like uh, uh, let's say what are the uh, criterias for being an angel investor I believe uh, Sebi does put up some kuch, Sebi kuch bolta hai, right? Sebi does put up some criteria that okay uh, only these people are eligible for angel investing so I think uh, the criteria applied by government has been more of a uh, recent change uh, Back in back then in 2014-2015 when I started investment, uh, the government intrusion or government getting involved in understanding who are these angel investors was not so stringent. Uh, the norms still are uh, are in a state of flux, but I believe there is a, a certain amount of net worth which uh, you need to show. Uh, you may or may not require a CS certificate to show what's your quantum of uh, net worth which you have. And the second one is a promise to invest uh, 25 lakh in that particular fund over a period of five years, right? So the entity with which you are cutting the check, if, if there's a middle entity involved, then there would be a vetting period, with, uh, vetting act, action which the entity would involve. And they say, you know, we are uh, making an informal promise that you would invest 25 lakh over a period of the next five years. Which for a regular angel investor, it's not such a big amount, uh, especially considering the fact that there's a five-year window during which the investment needs to be made. Uh, other than these two, I, and of course, you need to be a citizen of India, mostly if you're a NRI, if you're not a citizen of India, the criteria would vary, which I'm not very, uh, very sure about. But yeah, if you're a resident, uh, a certain amount of net worth and certain amount of minimum investment to be made in the period of five years uh, are the two major criteria which uh, you need to uh, abide by if you want to be an angel investor. And uh, I think, uh, uh, fair enough, I think uh, earlier we discussed that 
discuss the choice between angel investing in startups uh, versus investing in let's say uh, stock markets or real estate right uh, stock markets were probably a lot of retail investors if we see over the last three four years a lot of retail investors have jumped into stock stock markets now i think uh, the whole uh, uh, the number of accounts has i think uh, gone four times in a period of two years itself right number of dmat accounts uh, let's say a D, uh, retail investor wants to invest in startups today uh, do you think that that's possible yeah actually uh, it's an interesting question you asked because uh, a few months back i've come across this platform called grip invest uh, mm-hmm. which is typically doing this right it's it's retailing mm-hmm. the an- angel investment journey where they are saying that we will you know collectively uh, uh, you know have uh, generate funds from bunch of angel investors and then we make a large check investment into a particular startup so uh, taiki and some other platforms have existed for a while now where the uh, crowdsourcing of angel investment has happened so yes there are different uh, mechanisms and different engines through which uh, retail investors can also invest but i would uh, i would uh, request the investors to exercise caution before jumping in uh, investing in startup is not just the same no way the same as it's in public equity liquidity is a huge issue uh, getting any returns is never guaranteed uh, we typically tell people you know it's a risky asset class where you should be willing to forget all the money that you invested in a startup it might never come back to you all of it mm-hmm. right and that's like a huge statement of risk right um so it's very important for the investors to be aware about this the modalities of how you invest uh getting the process right getting the terms right uh, blah blah and all you know we'll sooner or later you'll sort it out but you can never ignore the fact that it's a risky asset class and all your money can get wiped out overnight and you can't do anything about it the moment you have cut the check the money has got deposited in startup account there is no rule which prevents the founder not from even picking up your call from the next day forget about giving you a return he might he might just block you as well for what for all all practical purposes yes you will you lose uh, yeah, yes he will lose uh, faith and trust of you but that doesn't ensure you get your money back right so financial transaction perspective your money is gone you can forget that right uh we are fortunate that uh, founders don't do that founders are not interested in cheating you but please understand that it's possible right so i think that's a big caution i would say while there are options for retail investors to invest in startups i would strongly recommend not doing it till you are abundantly clear what you're getting i think if you were to summarize most of uh, what we discussed around angel investment uh uh it is uh, definitely angel investment is a, is a highly risky uh, investment i think we have seen a lot, lot of tons and tons of startups that were too big to fail maybe uh, have, have they have failed over the last 6 8 months yeah. beat go mechanic or beta uh, a lot of startups that uh, uh, were crumbling uh, with the rise of tiktok and all of those things right uh, i think uh, uh, you mentioned the good checklist of uh, uh, for angel investing uh that would go a long way probably in helping someone who's looking to invest or to start up in general right uh it's, it's become good wisdom today to seek profitability to seek usp and to be able to see a, a clear exit as well